Oh, good job, Ariella. Hey, I just want to encourage you, uh, check out a small group uh, for the next eight weeks. I know that uh, you will enjoy it. I guarantee you. It's got a money-back guarantee. Uh, so jump into a small group and uh, give it a try. Just want to let you know, for the next eight weeks, um, we're going to be looking at 11 chapters out of the book of Acts. The book of Acts has 28 chapters in it, and so uh, we're going to be looking at 11 chapters that are really foundational for understanding the role of the Holy Spirit and how He works in our lives. And so uh, we want to encourage you to uh, jump in uh, for this series. I just want to let you know that the the first four books of the Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story about Jesus. And so if you want to know uh, more about Jesus, his ministry, his life, um, you can see those in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke specifically, um, after he finished writing the book of Luke, would go on to write um, the book of Acts. And so the book of Luke ends um, with Jesus' death, his resurrection. Uh, He's been with the disciples, and then he would ascend into heaven. And so that's where the book of Luke ends. And then when you turn to the book of Acts and you open it up, the first thing you see in chapter 1 is the disciples are still standing there looking up into heaven at the ascension of Jesus. And so when you're reading through Scripture, just know that as you're reading through the book of Luke and you pick up with the book of Acts, it's a continuation of the same story. In fact, it happens just moments. I mean, it's the same moment. Uh, The book of Luke uh, ends just as the book of Acts picks up. And it's here that we transition from looking at the life of Jesus and his ministry to the role of the Holy Spirit in in the early church. And so that's the transition that you're going to see as you move through um, Acts. Jesus would ascend into heaven. He gives us the Holy Spirit, just as he promised he would do in John 14. And then the book of Acts will tell us about the work of the Holy Spirit specifically and his role in our lives and define who we are um, together. You know, before we get started, I want to share two thoughts uh, with you about this series that are kind of personal in nature um, for me. Uh, First of all, you need to know uh, that the book of Acts is an anchor in an unfolding story that is still being written today. And so as you read through the book of Acts, you see the first church emerge. You see the disciples get excited about their faith in Christ, and the, the gospel and the good news about Christ will start to spread, and you'll see new churches being birthed. It starts with one church, and then you see two churches, and then you see the church in Ephesus and Corinth. And and so you see an explosion of disciples, people that are placing their faith in Christ, and then you see an explosion of growth in early churches. And ultimately, that church would leave from Jerusalem. It would go to Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth, to to the North America. And so there's a first church that we can trace back to the United States. And so you see the first churches as they start to expand from the East Coast into the, towards the West Coast. And so you see an expansion of the church in North America and what we now know as the United States. And Springbrook Church is just a continuation of that story that God has been writing for 2,000 years with regard to the way he works in and through the church. This church is only 25 years old. You know, this church is a new church that God birthed, and we are a part of a movement of churches that are starting and strengthening churches. And so the story is continuing to unfold, but you are a part of a story that God has been writing in the church for over 2,000 years. And what we're going to find in the book of Acts and what I pray for that we find at Springbrook is some of these same characteristics in this early church that we find in this church. That's my prayer for our church, that we would be a biblically-based church that is impacting the world for Christ, just like we saw 
in the early church. And so that's my prayer. That is something that is on my heart. I want to share that with you this morning. You've got a pulse this morning. And so if you're watching or listening uh, with us right now, you've got a pulse. And so I want to invite you just to get your arm out. See, do you know how to find your pulse? I went to some CPR classes. And so it's really important that you know how to find your pulse, especially if you're trying to do CPR. And so you can find your pulse here. And so you can find your pulse on the wrist. See if you can find your pulse. Yeah, I don't know how to count it or what it means. I just feel a little bumping thing. I was a nurse. I know there's supposed to be so, I think it's like at least 60 beats per minute, right? I don't know. I don't know how you track it. But every one of you has a pulse. And you are made up of DNA strands that define your identity and who you are. You have a pulse. You have a DNA. You are alive. You have an identity. Because that's how God has created you. You are unique, just like everybody else. Well, this church has a pulse. It has a a life. It has a DNA. There is something about who we are together that is alive. Springbrook has a pulse. It has DNA and it has an identity. I want to share that with you this morning because I think that's important as we kind of lay the foundation for who we are and who we pray that we are together. You know, Springbrook is more than just what happens on Sunday morning. In fact, we've seen that very clearly throughout the world, that church is more than just what happens on Sunday morning, right? We know that. And it's so encouraging to me to know that God has been at work and alive and working in this ministry, even though we haven't been meeting in person. And so we're slowly starting to come back together and, and uh, we need to continue to maintain our social distancing and be safe. But our focus is not on coming back together. Our focus is on being a part of what God wants to do in reaching this community for Christ as we strengthen and build up the disciples. That's our DNA. You know, that's why we exist. And our ministry has been growing. You know, this is a picture of our uh, missions wall. We got our missions wall up last, uh, last month. And we've got our map up. And right smack in the middle of our missions wall is the passage from Acts 1.8. That is the pulse. That is the DNA. That is the lifeblood of this church is Acts 1.8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. Everything that we do at Springbrook fits into that vision. This is who we are together. This is the foundation of Springbrook Community Church and why we exist. We have a Jerusalem that we're trying to reach. That is our local body of Christ. And over these last six months, as we've been dealing with uh, all these different issues that every other person's having to deal with, we have been able to connect with 56 new families. That's huge. We haven't been meeting together. We haven't been doing ministry. Everything's come to a stop. But at the same time, we have connected with 56 new families in Springbrook. That's a huge praise. It is. And you know what else has happened? We have five brand new small group and small group leaders. At a time when we're moving into this series, we've had five people that have stepped up and said, hey, I am willing to host a small group so that other people can be a part of this series with us. I know that uh, Wes and Melissa Sedlisak left the Atkinson small group. The Atkinson's group birthed and multiplied a new small group. I know that the Johnsons have stepped in to host a men's and a women's group. My wife and I are hosting a group. It's kind of a catch-all group um, for anybody that's interested in a group. Um, we've got five new small groups. So I got one more in there and I can't remember who it was. But I want to thank 
our leaders for making themselves available so that we can become who God wants us um, to be together through our small groups. We've, we've, we've got new small group leaders. We announced Brian Ford stepped in um, last month to lead our, our open and close team. You know, our facility still needs attention. And so we've got leaders that are stepping into new ministries at Springbrook. We've launched a new Kids City Wednesday ministry. It's a combination of what we've been doing with our children's ministry and our Awana ministry. And that's a new ministry that we've launched. And our teachers have come together and they're so excited about the videos they put together, the resources they put together for our kids. And it's a new ministry that we've just raised up to reach and to equip and to support our families at Springbrook. That's a new ministry. And we have our prayer gathering. We're still continuing to meet every month for prayer. Our leaders still get together to vision cast and to pray and talk about our various areas of ministry. We have a new pastoral care ministry where we pray for one another. We, you know, when, you, when you give us a prayer request, you need to know somebody's really praying for those. I mean, our prayer ministry is praying for people in our congregation, in our community. We send cards and notes to people that are in need. We provide meals to people that are in need. Our pastoral care ministry is stronger now than it's ever been. And so we praise God for how we've been able to support families and individuals in our Jerusalem. We have a helping hands fund. We're able to come alongside people that are in crisis. We're able to provide counseling grants. It's because of the generosity of people at Springbrook that our helping hand fund is able to minister to people in our congregation. God is doing an amazing work already in our Jerusalem. And then we have our Judea. That's our region. It's the ministries around us. You know, I have an opportunity, a privilege, really, to sit on the board of Nationwide Chaplaincy Services. Um, Nationwide Chaplaincy Services provides um, support and encouragement to our first responders in our community. Nationwide Chaplains, uh, 7,500 times a year, is able to come alongside and provide counseling for our first responders. You know, we're able to come alongside those families. And I tell you, it is a calling to be a first responder in this community and in this world right now. And who supports our first responders? Springbrook does. You know, we care about our first responders. And then we also have an opportunity to support and encourage people that um, are engaging with those first responders. You know, people have, you know, the first thing that something happens when you have to call the police. Well, who helps those families after that event is over? Or after a fire, who helps those families after those events are over? You know, we're in a position to minister to the needs of people in our community because of our relationship with Nationwide Chaplaincy. That's a ministry that we support as a part of our budget. And we have an opportunity to be effective at reaching families in our community um, through that network. We support informed choices. Informed Choices provides support for its pregnancy and parenting support for young women that are facing the decision with what to do with their pregnancy. Informed Choices comes alongside and supports uh, families through those decisions. And they have a banquet coming up on September 24th. And so we're going to be a part of that. Kim Joslin, one of our small group coaches, she's oversees our uh, women's ministry. She's actually on staff at Informed Choices. And many of you at Springbrook serve and volunteer your time and your resources to support that ministry. That is our Judea. We are having an impact and a presence in our community. Kids Hope. Kids Hope is mentoring for kids in our local school system. You know, we are working with school districts and we're working with families that have kids that need some special attention and some mentoring. And many of you at Springbrook serve in that capacity. In fact, Penny Jerzak is our coordinator and she just met with Kids Hope last week to talk about how our ministry can support them, you know, at this time. 
you know, we, we provide support for people in our community, anybody in our community that has a need, whether it's clothes or food. If we know about that and they come to us, we can, we can support people that are in need in our community. God is working in an amazing ways in our Judea right now. And so we want to continue to celebrate and support and encourage that. You know, as you think about what it means to be a witness in Samaria to the very ends of the earth, you know, we are part of a conference of churches. Converge Mid-America is our district. We're part of Converge Worldwide. It's a global conference of churches that's taking seriously the commission to reach our communities for Christ, to plant churches and strengthen churches for God's glory. And we're a part of that movement. It started with one church, Bethel Seminary up in St. Paul is our conference seminary. It started with one church. It grew to 65, and now we have 1,500 churches that are part of our conference that are taking seriously, reaching their community for Christ, and multiplying and strengthening churches. You know, last week, we had our largest church planter assessment that we've had to date. We have church, we have church planters that are stepping up to say, hey, in the midst of this crisis, I want God to use me to strengthen his bride. I care about the local church. Our conference plants one church, one brand new church, every single month in the United States. I mean, we are planting churches nationally as a part of our conference. And Springbrook is a part of making that happen. You know, we're planting churches around the globe. We have missionaries in Mexico, Brazil, Japan. We, We financially support the Timothy Initiative, who's planted so far to date 45,000 home churches internationally. You know, we are a part of a movement of churches that's taking seriously the command to be witnesses to the very ends of the earth. And those are just a few areas where Springbrook is growing and having a ministry impact. And whether we are meeting in person or not, that ministry is being accomplished. And we need to celebrate and give thanks to God for his provision. And as we start this series, I want you to know That is who Springbrook is. If somebody were to ask you to tell them a little bit about Springbrook Church, it's my prayer that people in our church would know that we are a church that's taking seriously God's command to make disciples. And I'm praying that God would strengthen our church as we move through this series um, together. The second thought I wanted to share with you as we start our time together for the next weeks is I want to ask you, Um, what is your role in what God has for us? You know, what does God have for you? What is your role in the story that God is writing in and through the disciples and his church today? Because there is a difference between what is church and what does God have for me? And what is my role in this? And I want to ask you to make a commitment during the next eight weeks to join with us together through this series as we explore what does it mean to be a disciple, to be a Christian, and to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to invite you to make a commitment to join us for these eight weeks as we look at the book of Acts and the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. I want to ask you to make a commitment to at least try a small group. You know, it is a great, this is the best time to try a small group ever because you can log on in most cases on a Zoom call. And if you don't like it, you can just click the leave button. I mean, you absolutely have nothing to lose. It is really easy to try a small group. You can get online. You can see a list of all of our small groups. It doesn't even matter where they're meeting because if they're meeting online, you can meet from the comfort of your home and join one of our small groups at Springbrook for the next eight weeks. And even if you're not 
able to get into a small group, I'd like to ask you to make a commitment to at least go through the material with us. You can pick up a copy of that small group curriculum. Uh, you can pick it up here. You can pick it up in the office. You can download it from our website. But I want to encourage you, do the devotions. Read through the book of Acts with us and pray and seek what God would have for you during these next eight weeks. It's one thing to say, look what God is doing through the local church. It's another thing altogether to ask, how can I know God? How can I have a relationship with him? And what is his purpose for me? And I want to encourage you to find your role in the story that God is working out. And at the end of our time together this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity with how we can help you to find your role in the story that God is writing here. Let's turn our attention now to the book of Acts as we look at beginning of chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 together. And I've got a couple places where I just want to focus our time together this morning. But in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given the commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And so Luke is writing the book of Acts here. He's referring back to the book of Luke. We don't know who Theophilus is. It's somebody that's close to Luke. It could be a religious leader. It could be a Roman leader. It's somebody of influence because we have the O, O Theophilus. It's somebody that's close to Luke. And he feels the need to make sure that Theophilus knows uh, what the history was of Jesus' life and this ministry that God is starting to roll out in front of us through this book. And so we have the benefit that Luke took the time that God used him to write the book of Acts down, to be an eyewitness account, to give us an account for what the early church should look like. He said in verse 3 that Jesus presented himself alive to his disciples after suffering many proofs. He appeared to them for 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus, after he died, he was resurrected, he came back to life. That resurrection is critically important because if Jesus died and was not resurrected, then everything that we believe and teach is false. In fact, we're misleading people to false teaching because it didn't really happen, but it did. Praise God that Jesus was actually physically resurrected. It proves that he was who he claimed to be. And Luke saw that by many sufferings and by many proofs that he appeared to many. And so we have the reliability of scripture in terms of what it means to have a relationship with Christ and what it is we're supposed to be doing as the church. And so this is eyewitness testimony that Luke's writing here. In verse four, he says, while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now that's important. And we're going to come back and look at that in just, just a moment. But right before he would ascend, he said, I want you to stay in Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the father, which he had said, you have heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so John was baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins as a part of this transition from the Old Testament into the New. It's a part of this Old Covenant. John was doing baptism for the forgiveness of sins. But the baptism that we're going to receive by the Holy Spirit is different. We're going to see that the Holy Spirit used to reside in the temple, but now the Holy Spirit resides in us. And that's a, something that happens at the point that a person makes a faith commitment. And then we get baptized and the, we experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so there's something different about how God was working in the Old Testament and how we transition and how he works to us uh, now in the New Testament. And so Luke is explaining that to them. In verse 6, it said, when they had come together, they said to him, Lord... At this time, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they're still waiting for a worldly king. They're wanting to know, hey, when's this kingdom going to come about? And Jesus says, verse 7, it's not for you to know. The times or the season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Don't worry about that. 
You need to be focused on this. Verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And they were gazing up into heaven. Uh, and two men stood by them in white robes. They said, men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking into heaven? Why are you, he's going to return just like he came. Why are you sitting there doing that? Why are you not doing what he told you to do? Verse 11, men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You need to go do what he's told you to do. And so this is, the, this is what unfolds to the rest of the book of Acts. Acts 1.8 is the anchor for what happens in the rest of the entire book of Acts. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And Acts tells that story of how the disciples were obedient to making that happen. Now, they didn't do it on their own strength. You know, they, they got together and they got together in their <laughs> group and, you know, God starts to work, and, but then they didn't go beyond Jerusalem. And so, you know, in my thinking, as I read through the book of Acts, what I really see is I see people that really want to just stay together, but then persecution has this set in to kind of make them do what they're supposed to be doing. And so there's this tension between who we are together and what we're supposed to be doing. And we feel that tension today. I mean, that same tension exists in our church today because we are so excited about who we are together that sometimes we forget about what we're supposed to be doing. And the book of Acts clarifies all that. Both of those are important. It's important that we be together. Who we are together is critically important. Trust me, we need to be together. It's not good for some to forsake meeting as some are in the habit of doing. Hebrews reminds us the importance of who we are together. It's important that we meet together in our temple court. It's important that we meet together in our homes. And small groups are so important. But we have to remember God's purpose for us in taking this good news ultimately to the very ends of the earth. And so each one of us has to define what that looks like based on where God has us today. But there's this tension between who we are and what God's called us to do. And we're still working that out today. You know, it's interesting because the book starts with Jesus telling them that they need to stay in Jerusalem. And so at the very beginning of the book of Acts, we see the importance of the disciples needing to stay in Jerusalem. Now, why would it be important for them to stay there? You know, if I had seen uh, my leader um, hunted down, uh, beaten, uh, crucified, the hostility towards him, and then he left me, I don't think that that's a place that I would want to stick around at or You know, he had been resurrected. I still don't fully understand that, but I've been told to stay in Jerusalem where the religious leaders were still looking for the followers of Jesus. There was still an intent to squash this movement. And I think if I was a disciple, I would not want to stick around. In fact, these guys, most of them had come out from out of town for the Passover. They're probably from, most of them are Galileans. They're probably from 100 miles north. This is not their home. They've come here temporarily. This event's just happened, and now they've been told to stay. I don't know. I'd be I think I would be wanting to try to get out of there. You know, but they've been told to stay. That's important, as we're going to look at in just a second. You know, I can remember when my uh, kids were younger. I had four daughters, and uh, what a blessing it is uh, to be a dad. And I just I love raising them and watching what God's doing in their life. But it was funny. I can remember uh, once when they were young, they were all upstairs. And uh, I could hear some, you know, boom, 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 boom. And you hear screaming and bickering. And all of a sudden, I hear this crash. We had wood floors. I heard, oh, I'm walking upstairs. I walk up and I see this broken piece of glass. And you know, you know who was standing by it? Nobody. 
they had all split. There was nobody sticking around that. And so I'm standing there going, what on earth happened? I'm, I'm not hearing any answers. What happened? Who did this? And you know what I heard four times? Not me, not me, not me. <laughs> they scattered. Nobody wanted anything to do with that problem. I mean, that's typically what we do when things, get, when things get bad is we want to scatter. And I'm sure if I was one of the disciples, having just watched what they did to Jesus, knowing that they're trying to squash a, moment, a movement, I think my first thought would be, hey, let's, let's get out my Google Maps. Let me find something close to me. Where, where else can I be besides here? You know, why do I have to stay here? And it's important that they stay there because that's where God is going to begin a new work. It's important that they stay in Jerusalem because that is the location of a major shift in the redemptive history of how God is going to have a relationship with his people. That's where the old temple was before it was destroyed. And that's where the new temple would be as God would come into his people. And so we see a shift in how God relates to his people through a shift of what God refers to as the temple. And that's the series that we just got through finishing up. If you want to know more about uh, God's temple, I'd encourage you to go back and look at our last series. But we are now the temple of God. You know, when Jesus breathed his last in Luke 23, verse 45, it says that the temple curtain was torn in half. It was torn from top to bottom. You know, in Matthew 27, it says specifically, behold, the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. When Jesus died and gave up his last breath, the temple curtain was torn in half. And why is that important? Because that temple curtain separated the regular folks from God. God's presence was in the holy of holies. And in this temple, people had different roles. They had different responsibilities. Only the high priest was allowed to go in to the holy of holies once, just once a year um, to atone for the sins of his people. It was the day of atonement. Once a year, the high priest would get to go in there. It was filled with blood sacrifices and sprinkling. And, and uh, it was just a, it was a time where the priest could, could act on the behalf of his people to where we could be able to find forgiveness of sins. You know, and this temple curtain was huge. It was, uh, First Kings says it was 20 by 20 by 20 cubits. It was like 30 by 30, it was like a 30 foot square. And in some estimates, it's, you know, it's inches thick. You know, so I heard one, uh, one uh, expositor was talking about the fact that it was four inches thick. And so I, I was trying to find through scripture exactly how thick that was, but I couldn't find it. I know what the size was, but it's thick. It's a thick piece of cloth. It is a visible, tangible reminder that you are not welcomed in here. This is a holy place and you need to stay out. And only once a year could the high priest go in there to offer up the sprinkled blood, the sacrifices for his sin and for the sin of, uh, of his people. You know, that day of atonement was one time where we knew we could find forgiveness, but that curtain would be torn open. And not from bottom to top. It's not like you can picture some guys down there with some scissors trying to tear this curtain open and, and not at the exact same moment that Jesus gave up his last, last breath, right? When Jesus died that criminal's death on the cross. He took on the sins of the world. He paid the sacrifice. His blood was shed. That curtain was torn from top to bottom. It was an act of God. And the curtain was torn in half. And now we all have access to God. If I'm the high priest, I'm thinking, well, what's my job now? I was the only one that was supposed to be able to get in there. Now, now anybody can get in there. 
Jesus tells the disciples to stay in Jerusalem because he's doing a new work with regard to how he's going to have a relationship with his people. God's presence is no longer available just for one. It's available for everyone. We all have access to the Father right now because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross, his sacrifice, his shed blood, we all have direct access to God. And that is something that we (laughs) certainly should celebrate. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians in chapter 16. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The Holy Spirit is within us now. The Holy Spirit was external in the life of Everyone from the Old Testament perspective, only the high priest could get to him through the Holy of Holies. The Holy Spirit was active, but we could not have a personal relationship with the Father. We were separated, and now we're not because of Christ. Jesus says, stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to do a new work here. And I want to focus the rest of our time together this morning on Acts chapter 1, verse 8, because this is the anchor passage that sets the tone for the entire book of Acts. It's the anchor patches that sets the tone for why Springbrook Church exists and what we're supposed to be doing. And the whole book of Acts is a reflection of the disciples, they're receiving the Holy Spirit, and they're being witnesses to the very ends of the earth. What we find in the book of Acts is a model for us today. And this morning, I want to look at three promises of God that we find in this passage this morning in Acts 1.8. Three promises of God. God promises, one, his presence. God promises to be present with us. He promises us power, that we'll receive power by the Holy Spirit, and he promises us a purpose. The Holy Spirit in our lives gives us a new purpose. In Acts 1.8, it says this, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And so I want to look at the first part of that passage together. You will receive. Who is the you? Is it something that Richard received? Is it something just the high priest has? You know, who's the you? It's you and me. I mean, anybody that has a relationship with Christ will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's every believer. Every believer has this promise of being able to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Every Christ follower that has asked Christ to come into their life and into their heart is the you. That curtain has been torn open. The Spirit of God is now available to you. You're no longer separated from God because of your sin. You have direct access to God now. And anybody that asks Christ into his life receives that promise. In John 6, it says, no one can come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the, Holy, unless the Father draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. The Spirit of God is external in the life of a non-believer. If you're not a Christian today, if you're not a Christ follower today, the Holy Spirit is external to you. He's working. He's active. He's available to you. And you only come to Christ if the Father is drawing you into a relationship. And so this morning, if if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're listening to this message, this is the Holy Spirit drawing you into a relationship with himself. You do not have to be separated from God. If you want to know where God is, if you want to know how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's as simple as you're asking him to come into your life. John 14 says this, 
Jesus says, I will ask the Father. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you a helper. He will be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. There's people in the world that are blind to the work of the Holy Spirit, to what God is doing. They don't see him. They don't know him. But you, you know him. You've asked him into your life, and now he dwells with you, and he dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You can receive and experience God's presence in your life. You just need to ask. God's presence is available to you. You just need to ask him to come into your heart. Every morning when we wake up, we should thank God for that gift. That's huge. That the creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and you can have a relationship with him. You just need to ask and that's something to celebrate. We should wake up every single morning and celebrate. God, thank you for your presence in my life. Thank you for being present in my life. God, thank you for your presence in my life. It is a gift. And every believer that has asked Christ to come into life has the assurance of that promise. And when Christ returns, he said, I will raise you up on the last day. But we also know that we have the Holy Spirit, John 10, 10, so that we can have life and have it to the full today. And so we're not just sitting around waiting for heaven. We have the fullness of life available to us in Christ because of this gift of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want to ask you, have you asked Jesus Christ into your heart? It is a yes or no. It's not an I think so. Have you asked Christ to come into your life? The Spirit of God is external. You have to ask him to come in. I want you to know that asking Christ to come into your life is the foundation of why this church exists. We are an assembly. We are a gathering. A church is a collection, an assembly of people that have a relationship with Christ that want to grow in their faith and be a part of God's plan for redeeming and saving a lost world. We exist because of Christ in our life. That's our foundation. I love the music. I love the teaching. I love the ministry. Those are things that we do to help people grow in their faith. But the foundation of this church is based on the fact that people understand their need for a Savior. They've asked Christ to come into their life. And we gather together to worship and to celebrate Him. And then we have a lot of people that come because they're just curious about what God's doing. And we are so glad that people are curious because we exist to help people to be able to explore and understand how to have a relationship with Christ. And so if you have a relationship with Christ this morning, give thanks for God's presence in your life. If you have questions about that, we want to help you to cross that line of faith. And so that's important. As we look at the book of Acts, it's about how God is working in and through the lives of Christians, believers that have the Holy Spirit in them. And and that's what sets the tone for why this church exists. And we want to help people be able to experience the fullness of that. And so this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's as simple as you're asking him to come into your life. That's the first decision a person needs to make. The Christian walk cannot exist without being a Christian. And it starts by asking Christ to come into your life. And so that's the first thing that we know about the book of Acts and this disciples is that God promises us that we, we receive him, that we can have a relationship with him. The temple curtain's been torn over and you can have a relationship with him. And with that presence also comes power. You'll receive what? You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. God's presence brings about his power. And you know what's sad? So many Christians today are just checking out when things go wrong, when there's a problem. So many people are missing out on this promise. God promises us the full power of heaven that created the earth and everything in existence is available to each one of us. And the Holy Spirit is a a person and he never leaves. 
the Holy Spirit is not just goosebumps that happen when, when, the, when, when Chip hits the bass. I love the guitar and the, and the drums and how the worship teams work together. Sometimes it's like, ooh, that sounds so good. You know, that might be the Holy Spirit. It just might be Chip or might be Bethany or somebody hitting a nice note on the worship team. I mean, who, who knows what it is? It could be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit could be, well, when, when the preacher starts getting excited and, then, and the Holy Spirit comes in, well, yeah, that might happen. You know, sometimes we try to incite the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's our experiences and our, and our circumstances. The Holy Spirit is those things and does affect those things, but the Holy Spirit is a person that is in you. You can receive the Holy Spirit and you can receive that power. You know, it's not just a feeling. It's, it's a person that is in you that brings about life change. The fruit of the Spirit's love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, think about there's a, there's a spirit in you that results in an outward appearance of what it means to have a relationship. You know, you, you can't have the Holy, Spirit without, the Holy Spirit without experiencing and walking with him. You know, there's two things about the Holy Spirit that are really important to understand. Paul writes this in Galatians 5, 16. I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This role is going to pull you down, but if you will walk by the Spirit, you'll find life. And what Paul's saying is that it's possible for you to have the Spirit in you, but not walk by it. And so Paul tells us in Galatians 5, 16, to walk by the Spirit that's in you. Abide in it. Walk with him. Live it out. Being a Christ follower is not just about asking Jesus Christ into your life, having the assurance of salvation, and, and then getting to do things the way that you think they should be done. We have to abide and we have to walk with Christ. Paul reminds us that we have to walk with him, not just experience having a relationship with him. There's a difference between a saving faith in Christ and standing justified before God and then being filled with the Holy Spirit and experiencing all that God has for us. We need to walk by the Spirit. The second thing that's important to know about the Holy Spirit is that it only comes, you can only be filled by reading his word. There's some things that you can do to get a sense of God's presence, but if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to be in God's word. John 6.33 says it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. There's nothing that you can do to experience new life. The flesh is no help. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. When we read God's word, God's spirit fills us and gives us a sense of his presence. This is why devotions are so important. When you wake up in the morning and you read God's word, he's filling you with his spirit. You know, there's days when I've, I've forgotten to do a devotion or I cut my devotion short or something happens and it's like, oh, my day kind of goes, goes astray. But when I have done a devotion, when I have filled my heart and my mind with God's word, I'm in a position to face whatever God has for me during the day because God's spirit gives me that power. And so God's spirit will uh, fill us and give us power. We know that God promises us a sense of his presence. We know God promises a sense of his power. And then God promises us a sense of purpose. You know, God gives us a purpose. You're going to receive power to do what? Be a witness. It's not a command. It's not a rule. It's a reality. You don't have to share your faith. You know, it's not a command. It's not a rule. And so there's no expectation on you that you have to share your faith. It's a reality of what it means to be a Christ follower. You know, Jesus says you will receive power. 
you will be my witness. You know, being a witness is nothing more than it's an outflowing of what we have in Christ. If you have a relationship with Christ, it should excite you. You know, I'm all up for workshops, and I mean, we need to train people on how to share their faith. These are important things to help us learn how to grow. But, but sometimes we get so hung up on what we should do that we forget what we can do. God has written a story in your life, and you can share it. You just share what God has done in your life. Has God done something in your life? What is your relationship with Christ meant to you? You know, I was growing up, and I, every time you started trying to talk to somebody about a relationship, oh, you can't talk about that. That's private. Oh, can't talk about it. Why can't we talk about it? We should be talking about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Love God. I mean, he's there. People will talk about God. They'll talk about him all day long. But the second you start talking about Jesus, ooh, something happens. You know, there's something different about us as a result of who we are in Christ. And that should want to excite us. We should want other people to be able to experience that as well. We're called to be witnesses. And every one of us has a story. And, and you're unique, just like everybody else. And if you don't share your story, nobody else will. We all have a story. If God, if your life has been changed by a relationship with Christ, you have a story. And that's my prayer for people at Springbrook, that they would be excited about what God's doing in their life and that they would share their story. However God chooses to share that story. Don't compare yourself to other people. You know, we can use some examples. We have our Stories of Springbrook segment that I love because those are people that are excited about what God's doing. And if you've got a story and you'd love to share that, um, I'd love to get your story. In fact, I was talking to Pastor Matt last week and that story that we recorded, that's the last story we have queued up. We We recorded all these stories. We have a baptism next Sunday and now we don't have any more stories to share. But but I know there are stories out there. I'm hoping that there'll be some stories come about as a result of this series. I'm hoping that there'll be stories in our small groups as we go through these next eight weeks together. And if you're a part of our Springbrook family, I want to encourage you to please reach out to Pastor Matt or myself. We'd love the opportunity uh, to let you share your story with the rest of our church family. It's an encouraging thing uh, when we hear about the work that God's doing in our lives. And so I'm, I'm praying that through this series that people would be excited about who they are in Christ. You know, first we have, we all have a story about Jesus and we need to pray about what, how God would have us share that. We are called to be witnesses. It's a result of who we are in Christ. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of the service that I'd help you to be able to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I just want to encourage you, there's nothing I can do, um, but God can. Uh, if you have never place your faith in Christ. Uh, This morning, you can say, Father, I believe Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for my sins, that he was resurrected, that he's going to come back, and I want a relationship with you as best as I know how. Come into my life and rescue me. It's that simple. And God promises that his presence will be with you, his power will be in you, and he will give you a new purpose for your life. And so if you're looking for more presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. It begins by understanding your relationship with Christ. You know, if you've never had an opportunity to be baptized, you know, we're doing a baptism service next Sunday. It's an opportunity for you to think through uh, your faith story. It's an opportunity for you to publicly confess uh, your faith in Christ. It's an opportunity for you to be able to experience um, the promise of the filling of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't get you into heaven, um, but it is reflective of, of a covenant commitment that you've entered into with God and that he's entered into with you. It's reflective of this relationship that you have with him. And so if you've never been baptized, you know, that is a great step uh, that you can take. You know, if you've never experienced small group, if you're, if you're not sure how to read or study the Bible or how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, this next eight weeks is for you. And I want to encourage you to connect with a small group. 
Make a commitment to be with us over these next eight weeks as we look at these passages through the book of Acts on what it means to have a relationship with Christ, to be filled by the Holy Spirit in accomplishing his plans for us. You know, if you're watching with us online right now, um, you should have a little dialogue box that popped up that said, I want to commit my life to Christ today. If it's a first-time commitment, I want to, you can click that box. You know, if, if you already have a relationship with Christ and you're just excited about it, click that box. <laughs> Whatever you do, though, let us know that you're excited about your relationship with Christ or how to have a relationship with Christ. And there's a place for you to give us your contact information afterwards. If you're with us in person this morning, that connection card that's sitting right next to your chair right now in the back has a place for you to say, I want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ. We can help you today to understand how to have a relationship with Christ. And after our service is over this morning, I'll put my mask on. I'll be available up front. I would love the opportunity to pray with you or answer any questions that you have about how to have a relationship with Christ. You want to know more about baptism, how to get involved in a small group. The Bible says every believer has a spiritual gift to be used for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. And if you don't know your spiritual gift, we'll help you to discover what that gift is and help you to understand what God's purpose is for you and your place with our Springbrook family. I'm so glad that you are with us this morning as we kicked off this new series. Uh, Pastor Matt and Pastor Tim and I uh, have been working on this series for the last several weeks. And, and I know, you know, that God had a plan and a purpose for this series because we planned this series before COVID. You know, as we came up to, uh, as we were coming up to September, Pastor Matt and I were talking about, well, should we wait till we're in person? Should we do this online? You know, and I, I'm convinced now more than ever, the church needs to hear this message from the book of Acts. Because we have more Christians that are more worried about when we're going to be able to meet together than they are about reaching their friends, their family, and their neighbors for Christ. And we need to shift our focus. Both are important. And I think as much of a pain as COVID-19 has been, I don't even like to say the word anymore. We are learning lessons today that the church needs to wake up and answer the call to. I'm really looking forward to this series. I'm glad that you're with us this morning. Let's pray together, and then uh, let's commit the Lord, uh, the day to the Lord today. Hey, Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for our time together uh, this morning. I thank you for the work that you're doing in and through uh, this body of Christ. I thank you for the work that you're doing in me and in them and in us and who we are together. God, thank you that we have the promise of your presence, your power, and your purpose. And I just pray that you would continue to strengthen us. Look forward to all that you have for us over these next eight weeks as we move towards the end of the year and we prepare our hearts and minds for what you would have for us in 2021. Uh, God, we, uh, we just trust every day uh, to you and to your care. God, thank you for this day you've given us today. We lift it up to you uh, for your glory. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, may you go today in the presence, the power, and the purpose of Christ. I hope you have a blessed day. Thanks for being with us.